Yo, what is up, my people of Red Runner Nation? On today's episode, we are joined by Arlen Glick, who most recently won the Tuscazor 100-mile race this past weekend. I'm going to get out of here and let Arlen do the talking. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Take two after some technical difficulties. What is Crackalackin' Ridge Runner Nation? Do you know what day it is? Hump day. Yes, sir. But outside of that, we have an amazing guest tonight on Ridge Runners Live. This man ran 100 miles earlier this March by himself in 13 hours. This man also cut the tongue out of his shoe intentionally and won the Canal Corridor 100-mile endurance run back in July, setting a new course record with a time of 13 hours and 42 minutes. Now, this past weekend, he set a new course record at the Tuscazor 100-mile run with a time of 16 hours and 14 minutes. Did the tongue in his shoe survive this race? I'm not sure, but we're about to find out. He is currently a front runner for Ohio's Ultra Runner of the Year. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Arlen Glick, how are you doing? I am doing great. I am glad to be on the show. We're super excited to have you back. You were on Ridge Runners Live number 19 with Tracy Falbo and uh, to talk about your Canal Corridor, Canal Corridor 100 win. So we're excited to have you back on to talk about your uh, most recent win this past weekend. How are you feeling after the race? I am feeling amazing. Um, i feeling as good as I normally do during uh, a normal Wednesday. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. Especially cause obviously you just blazed that race. So it's crazy how you're already, uh, kind of feeling just the superhuman Arlen Glick as some people know you as, uh, let's just dive right into it. Talk about your race. Um, what went right, what went wrong, take us back to the beginning and kind of your training leading up to it. Okay. That's a great place to start. Um, my training leading up to it, well, as you all know, the Canal Corridor was my main race for the year. Um, that one went fairly well. Um, I was overtrained going into that, um, definitely overtrained, and I suffered a lot afterwards due to the overtrained. Um, yes, leading up to it, uh, I told the my family and the others around me, I said, if 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 uh, this race had been one week earlier, I wouldn't have been able to do it just with the way my body was feeling. Um, in fact, I just had one week that was a solid hundred mile week and before the race, like it was a slow buildup um, before I had to taper. So I felt like I, I, I had a good, I had one good solid week, which I had liked to have a minimum of three, but this race, I had a little different goals. Um, it wasn't to see exactly what I was capable of. It was more of just the purpose for this race was I had several purposes. One was to try to get some more attention there um, to see how fast it could be run. I wanted to help out, you know, do everything I could. I wanted to do a trail race. I wanted to do one that, and the timing worked out well as well. Um, I wanted to do one that was one to toughen my own head up. Um, One that I wasn't all psyched up about. Um, just a race to just see how tough, see if my head could run a hundred miles on a race course that I wasn't all excited about was just kind of a casual thing. Um, so 
anyhow, I, I, I signed up for it just last minute. I wanted to make sure that everybody else that was thinking about it was very committed before they seen my name on the list. Um, so yes, I signed up last minute, even though I was eyeing it for quite a while. Um, and so I, anyway, got to the race. Um, and yes, the weather was ideal. It was probably the driest day we've had all summer. I think the humidity dipped into the 30% area, which is a miracle for Ohio. Um, started off at like 51 degrees, which is just awesome running weather. Um, so yes, I wasn't sure quite how it was going to unfold. I knew we were going to be going off in waves, but it was not like the organized waves like we had at Canal Corridor, um, where you were assigned a position. So I was up at the front, um, and then I seen Gabe Rainwater was, was back about three or four waves, and I thought, oh, I want to start with him. And so I walked back and talked to him for a bit, and they let the first group go, which was three runners. And then the race director yelled at me and he's like, get up here, Arlen. And, so, <laughs> and Gabe's like pushing me, like go on up there. And I'm like, Oh, come on. I want to start with you. I, I want to start with a bunch of strangers. Um, but anyhow, I got up there started. Um, and it wasn't too long before I got in sight. I had passed the, a couple other runners. Um, and then there was just one guy in front of me, which was this, uh, Benjamin, um, and I had looked, I had looked him up the best I could before the race, just to see who my competition was, you know, scouted out. Um, and I knew he was a really tough runner. Um, him and Zach Marin had a, had a nice battle at the Indiana trail 100 two years ago. So I knew he was a tough guy. Um, but there was very little on ultra sign about this guy. Um, very few races. Um, I don't think there was anything in the last two years from this guy. Um, so I looked him up on Strava and seen he was putting in the mileage. He was doing some amazing training runs. Um, I knew it was going to be a good battle between him and Gabe Rainwater and myself. Um, I knew we would have a good race. Um, so, yeah, so when I caught up to him, I got him in sight, um, but he seemed to be hammering it pretty hard. So I just decided to just keep him up there. Um, and how the race course goes is we have, there's, we, excuse me, we start out and there's about four or five miles of a lot of downhill, very technical trail running. Um, it's yes, mostly downhill. Camp Tuscasaur sits on top of the mountain um, and everything else from there is downhill and then uphill on the way back. So it went pretty quick. Um, then we get down on towpath. I guess you'd call it towpath. It's the Zor Valley Trail. We run out to the town of Zor, which is about five miles away, which makes for about a, you know, 10 mile out and back um, on the towpath, which is very flat, very fast. Um, I was probably running sub eights for a lot of that kind of close to, say, Canal Corridor course or whatever. Um, and so I get out to Zor, and apparently I was talking to Gabe Rainwater instead of listening to the uh, instructions given. Um, and I had run this course several times before because it was a very confusing course, but I didn't do the towpath section. I just did the trail portion. Um, so bad for me. I, you know, shame on me. I was, I was back there chatting with Gabe Rainwater and wasn't listening. So we get out to the town of Zor. And I got to a confusing spot and I did not know where to go. And 
So there was another guy that came up behind me, another runner. And he's like, yeah, I think we got it. Let, let's go out here. So we made a left-hand turn instead of a right. Um, went out there and there was some signs with arrows laying beside the trail. And I thought, that's really weird. Um, so we picked them up and tried to figure out which direction they were pointing, um, which is probably not a good idea. But we weren't sure where to run anyway. So we thought we had it. And there was a fairly well-marked course. Um, so we tried to follow that, but it was very confusing. And there was a bunch of numbers that didn't make any sense, um, like eight, nine, 10. And they were like 200 yards apart. And we're like, this is really weird. But we finagled our way around, wound up down at the creek, um, at dead end right into the creek. We come back out of there and tried to figure out where we were going. Finally, we wound up back where it seemed to make sense again. Um, and we get to the aid station and we get there. The guy's like, uh, you're running the wrong direction. And we're like, huh, that's interesting. And anyway, so we kind of, we, we discussed it with him a little bit and we got things straightened out, figured out where we had went wrong. Um, and then at, anyway, I'll jump ahead a little bit. When we got back to the 25 mile mark, Eric, the, the race director was back there. And he asked if we were one of them that got off course. And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, well, there's another race happening tomorrow. And they already have their markings up. So I, I looked on Strava after the race and I looked at my map. And sure enough, I ran the other course um, for a, probably a half mile or more. And then I you know, got back on, on the course. And anyway, it, didn't, it wasn't a significant loss. Um, but it was a real confusing <laughs> few moments there. Um, so by then, the guy in the lead was out of sight, um, out of mind. Well, not completely out of mind. Um, so then I got back, headed back towards when we figured that out. It was an out and back, but there was a loop at the end. And so that's where we got confused was on that loop. Um, so I headed back towards the familiar grounds there at Tuscazor. Um and we get back, and I was so glad to get back on the trails after 10 miles on the towpath. Um, that section went pretty well. Um, got back to Tuscazor, and that's when I had the little discussion with Eric. And I believe I was about 341-ish coming into that. Uh, so the first 25 miles in, in three hours and 41 minutes, um, which was quicker than what I had planned on running. Um, I was looking for about 345 for a first loop. Um, so went out on my second loop, um, and that loop went fairly smooth, um, nothing very significant. Um, I had kind of kept tabs of the guy in front of me and they kept saying he's about five minutes. I had a few reports, three minutes, two minutes, five minutes, whatever. Um, and then I, I, then I'm trying to think it would have been, so that would be 25 to 50 miles. So I'm coming towards the trails, getting back on the, for the, towards the end of the second loop and getting close to Camp Tuscazor where we have the final 10 mile trail section. Um, and they, they said that he, the, the last report I got was he's just two miles ahead. And I told him that I wanted to wait until the last, until the, after a 50 mile mark to pass him. I just felt like that would be better race strategy. Um, and I didn't know what the guy looked like. Um, I just knew he was a hundred miler 
and there was a lot of other people out on the course running the 50 the 25 we were passing a lot of people at that point um so i finally caught sight of a guy and he looked about my age um and I, I looked at him and I seen he was running the exact same pace I am. So I decided that's got to be him. After a couple miles, we were on the towpath and he was dropping eight minute pace. Like every, every mile was like right at eight minutes. So I thought, well, that's got to be him. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to stay back here, you know, where I belong. Well, lo and behold, all of a sudden he started walking. And I knew I couldn't just stop and walk behind him because that wouldn't be the right thing to do. And if he looked back and see me, it would be, it wouldn't be a good, a good moment. Um, so I decided to just slow down and pass him real slow. And I figured, you know, he might think I'm a 50 miler or something just creeping up on him. Um, so I went because I didn't want to pass him this earlier. Later on, I would have been fine with just blazing by him, but this early on, um, and he was drinking out of his bottle at that point. So I thought, well, he's, probably taking a little break he might hit it hard later on but when I pass a guy I like to leave him like I like to keep him back there um so I passed him and then I hit the trail portion um and hit a pretty good effort level through the trail portion um got back to Camp Tuscazor 10 miles later and at that point I think they told me later on that he was 15 minutes behind at that point so I had gained about 15 minutes in that 10 mile section, which is a pretty significant amount. So at this point, I'm thinking he blew up and he's, he's doing pretty rough. Um, but apparently he was not, he, he had not blown up yet um, because he maintained that 15 minute gap for almost the entire race. Um, at this point I was in the lead for the rest of the race, but at, you know, at one point I think we were, within 10 minutes for sure. Um, so going into the third loop or the, yes, beginning of the third loop, um, I was feeling good, but I had developed some chafing and it was as early as 20 miles that it started. And I was having a lot of trouble and it was getting worse. Like, and I had never experienced during a race where I had a situation where, you know, chafing developed. Um, so I didn't know like how bad does it get? Um, I didn't know what to expect. So this was going to be something new. I thought, you know, otherwise nutritionally I'm doing great. Um, but what is going to happen? Like I've determined that something as small as just pain, if it's blisters, if it's chafing is not going to stop me, but how much pain am I willing to go through? I don't know yet. So I, just kept going and kept on reapplying, you know, anti-chafing cream and, uh, you know, trying to deal with it, but didn't really know exactly what I need to do to actually deal with it. Um, so at one point my sister's like, well, let's tuck your shirt in a little bit and see if that helps. And it did help a little bit, but not a lot. Um, so towards the end of the third loop, it was getting pretty bad. Um, almost beginning to start affecting my, my stride. Uh, I was starting to run a little bit like a duck, um, which is not good when you have 75 miles to go. Um, but anyway, so was feeling really good. Otherwise, um, as far as nutrition goes, 
Um, I told you earlier on, this was going to be a laid back race. I was going to try some new stuff, just try to take it easy. Um, so I was going to try to eat a lot. And if you know me, I don't eat much while I run. I go with, with, uh, sports drinks. I just, I keep it pretty light. Um, so this one, I was trying to eat a lot more. And so I ate a banana. Like that was the, the routine at an aid station was just, you know, put a banana down. Um, so I ate probably at least a dozen bananas out there that day. Um, felt great on them. Um, because I wasn't just, you know, flying for time. It was, it was neat. I had a little bit of time to, to spend at aid stations and enjoy the, just really enjoy the race. Um, but yeah, so about 70 miles, I had a big surprise. Um, I come up on this guy and I thought to myself, now, if I ever met someone that looks like Harvey Lewis and I have never met Harvey Lewis, um, I'm like, that guy looks like Harvey Lewis. And I'm like, and I noticed he was pacing somebody and I'm like, I know Harvey ain't out here today, but I got to ask this guy. I'm like, are you Harvey? And he goes, yeah, Harvey Lewis is my name. And apparently he had never heard of this Arlen guy. And so he's like, well, who are you? And I'm, you know, I told him I'm Arlen and he's, so we got chat and he's like, well, are you uh, the hundred mile? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, are you in the lead then? And I'm like, yeah, I, I guess I am. And so he, whoever he was running with, he, he dropped him and he just started pacing me at that point. Cause I didn't have a pacer, um, which is just Harvey for you. You know, that's just, that's just the way he is. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a young, I'm a young guy and I've got a lot to learn. Um, and from a guy who's been doing ultras for 24 years, you can bet there was a lot of questions I was asking him. Um, but yeah, we had a good chat. Um, so we had about four miles or so till we got to the 75 mile, the main aid station, uh, which was great because it gave me some time to ask him. I told him about my issues with chafing. I said, you know, it's starting to almost affect my stride. I'm feeling great. Otherwise, um, I'm like, what can I, what can I do at this point? I'm like, will it pay me to change my clothes? Cause I've never done this before during a race. Like, does it pay to change, change the clothes? He's like, yes, it does. Um, he said, the main thing you need to do is wipe yourself off with a wet cloth. And that sounded very painful. I would have never tried this in a million years, but since Harvey said it, I said, I'm going to do it. He said that uh, by reapplying, you know, your anti-chafing, whatever it is, um, if there's still salt crystals, um, they will continue to irritate unless you get rid of that before you reapply, which was some awesome advice. Um, so we got back and he just, you know, my family was there crewing for me and he just started barking out orders and they're like, they don't even know who this guy is. Um, but he seemed to know what he was talking about. So they just did what he said. Um, and so we got, you know, got my clothes changed as fast as we could. We didn't want the other guy to catch us, obviously, in an aid station. You don't want to be caught by the guy behind you. Uh, but I felt we felt like we had a good cushion there. Um, so I felt it was going to pay off in the end. Um, so we came out of the aid station. He's like, let's try to get out of here as fast as we can. Um, he gave me a whole lot of other advice I won't go into. Um, but we got walked up the, up the steep uh, slope out of there, eating watermelon on the way out of there. Um, and that's kind of when he, 
he left me about that time and my other pacer picked me up who was just a a local runner there um named eric and so then i was with a buddy and i hammered out the 10 miles that 10 mile section um and then i was going to be getting picked up by my brother dale uh for the final 15 mile stretch um and my brother dale he's a pretty quick guy um but he doesn't train much so he was he was thinking this is going to be a pretty good stretch for him 15 miles was going to be a and it was um a pretty nice stretch but anyway uh got our headlamps i told i kept reminding them don't let me forget my headlamp for that last section or i'm in big trouble um so with the sun still up we put we still put our headlamps on because there's no crew access for the last 15 miles um which is a little bit of a stretch for a guy like me but anyway we we uh, got back there and i could tell already the chafing wasn't getting any worse it was just staying right at the point that it was at um kept getting tabs of how far the guy behind me was this uh benjamin and i kept getting these reports that said 10 minutes every one of them said 10 minutes and aid stations it, it didn't really seem to matter how long it took me at the aid station that 10 minute gaps seemed to stay the same and so at about 90 miles i was a little bit nervous just because i'm like you know if he really hammers it and if i have a problem this could get to be an issue um but i felt like harvey really uh gave me some advice on just taking it easy especially up the hills um and just and so i felt very i felt like i didn't push the effort very hard at all on the third loop um it was a lot it was a lot slower um but i felt so good coming out of it so the last 15 i was feeling pretty good um felt like i could hammer that hard if i needed to so it was nice to have that 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 confidence knowing that i wasn't completely depleted i felt like if if it come down to a race i would still have a good solid chance to give a guy a run for his money um so going after the 89 mile mark i knew we wouldn't or actually the 85 mile mark i knew i would not get tabs on benjamin um until the finish line because there would be never a spot i would be able to ask them how far is he behind so i knew that that was going to be the last report i got on how far behind he was um, later on i found out that he had maintained that 10 minutes for quite a few more miles um but anyhow we hit the trail section and i took it pretty conservative at the beginning um, of the trail section um, felt very good keeping my nutrition um, i did have a little bit of dehydration i think at around 80 miles so till 90 i was having some overhydration issues just having to stop to go to the bathroom pretty often um so i kind of quit drinking i didn't drink near as much the last 10 miles just because i needed to get some of that worked out of my system with the the sun going down the temperatures dropping it was it, i was not sweating nearly as much in the second in the last the last portion um so got to the to the one aid station there and it's eight miles from the finish line and we do a loop like a four mile loop and then we get back to there and the same aid station serves us on the way out 
Um, so at this point I had quit eating. Um, I was just drinking and I had kind of switched to Coke, which was my plan for the, the last, I always like something that tastes really good for the last portion, just to get my mind going and get some caffeine in me and just get me really into this race in case something should happen that I would need it. I was looking at the clock and uh, had run a 731 for the first 50 mile split, which there again was a lot quicker than what I had planned, Um, was just running a, you know, an easy effort and just simply got there a lot quicker than I had planned. Um, So I took the third loop and that one was a lot slower. Um, So the fourth one, I felt like I had, I should keep a pretty solid effort um, and try to still run a good time. Um, I had told my family that 16 hours would be best case scenario. Scenario I feel on that course with the amount of trail and the amount of towpath. Uh, so I felt like 16 would be you know, best case scenario. And I was looking at probably, I thought it'd be somewhere around 1630. Um, after recalculating it at, let's see the eight miles from the finish line, I realized that it was going to be under 1630 if I had a good solid. So I thought, man, that's great. That's, that's like, that's like almost best case scenario. So I hammered it pretty hard. You know, when you're running well, there's incentive to keep pushing hard. And so I kept pushing hard, um, got to the last aid station, which is just like four miles. Um, and I had my brother, he had his phone. I told him to call my family and tell them it would be 35 to 40 minutes. Um, because on my first loop, that's how long it took. So I thought I can just hammer this last section. I'm feeling good. I don't need to take much with me. Um, at this point, you know, I'm running with the headlamp. Um, and, you know, trails at night are a lot of fun. So I decided at this point, I decided, you know, I'm not going to blow up. I'm just going to let myself get excited about this race. I'm going to act like he is just about to catch me, regardless of where he's at. And I'm just going to have fun and just hammer it the last three, last three and a half miles. So I'm running and it wasn't long and my pacer, my brother got behind and I thought maybe he was just having trouble with his phone, getting it back in his pocket or whatever. Um, I figured, well, he'll catch up. So I kept running really fast. I mean, just hammering the hills. Um, And it was, it was a lot of fun, but anyway, had to, had to, you know, runners are jumping out of the way and everything it was just it was just a, some fun memories out there um my brother never did manage to catch up um i guess it was a little too intense and he is a little prone to uh spraining his ankle so i was okay with him um taking it easy if he needed to so anyway i started approaching the finish and I'm looking at the clock and how far I had gone and where, and I, I, I split it right on 16, 15, you know, and I'm thinking, Oh, 16 and a quarter that that's a nice number to hit. So I'm like, I've got to try for 16, 15. I have, I've got to try for that. And like every, every mile it was like, it was, it was going to hit right on that. So I was just hammering it all I had and ran up the, up the, the trails, a bunch of uphill. Um, right at the end Um, got up to the top and it's a gravel road and we run down kind of down the gravel road 
and towards the finish line. And I get up there and I forget what the clock was, but it was like a minute and a half. Yeah, I mean, it was like 16, 13, 30 or something. I forget exactly what the numbers were, but I did the, the little bit of figuring in my head and how far I had. And I thought that is going to hit me right on the money. But I, for some reason, I just, I had to get it under 1615. Like that was the, that was the mark I was currently aiming for. Um, I got in sight of the finish line. It's down a steep hill and I ran like super hard down the hill. Um, and it's, then it's uphill for a little bit to the finish. And I get down there and it was like 16, 14, 20, um, which if you can do math, that's not very far. Um, but I, I hammered it really hard and I squeaked in, in 16, 14, 42. So it was great. Um, it, it was, it was a fun race. I come through the finish line and there was a lot of people there that can come out to see the, uh, to watch the finish. Um, it was great. I got to go over and talk to the crew of, of Benjamin and he had, he had quite a crew. They were all dressed alike. Um, they, they were one crew, let me tell you. They had all the cheering gear and everything. And what was so amazing to me is they wouldn't just cheer for their runner. I mean, when I come through, you'd have thought they were crewing for me the way they were acting. Um, they were excited and they were cheering. Um, and I wondered what that felt like for them to be uh, cheering for me, knowing that they're rooting for somebody else. Um, but I actually got to go and talk to them and tell them, uh, you know, that they did a good job and, and I appreciate what they're doing out here. And so, yeah, anyhow, that's a little summary of what went on out there. Um, but anyway, I'm sure you've got a lot of questions to ask. Yeah. Wow, man. That's an absolutely awesome story from uh, this past weekend that you had there. Uh, it's funny. Last time you were on the show, you mentioned that you didn't want another close race like the Canal Corridor 100. You wanted a laid back race. One where you knew the result when you finished, you said, and I quote, the next guy, like you want to come into an aid station and you hear, oh yeah, the next guy is like an hour behind. That would sound really appealing to me right now. Is that one of the reasons that drew you to the Tuscaloosa 100? That is, um, last year there was not, you know, not much competition, um, which made it really hard to guess what a finish time might look like at this race. Um, but yeah, that was one thing. But then as guys signed up and I thought, I don't want it to be a boring race where I'm like three, four hours in the lead. Um, that doesn't sound appealing to, to me at all. Um, I do like some, some competition. Um, I felt like with Benjamin and with Gabe Rainwater there, um, I did feel the pressure of the race. Um, I felt like I was going to have to run. I was going to have to put my best out there. Um, but yeah, I definitely wasn't. I knew Canal Corridor was going to be a tight race. I just knew it. Um, this one, I didn't really know for sure, but I didn't think it would get really tight. So yeah, that was one reason that it drew me to it, but there was that uncertainty there as well. Yeah, it was a, definitely a race course last year um, that it seemed like there was a lot of potential to both go really fast and both go way too fast and totally blow yourself up. Uh, I ran the 25 mile uh, race there last year, Arlen, um, and I was wondering uh, what you thought of the course. Um, given that there is 
so much hilly single track and so much towpath in the same race. It's almost as if, you know, you've got a race that is half Canal Corridor and half the Mohican 100. Uh, you've got a little bit of both of those experiences. So what did you think of this, like, very particular course? Um, I thought it was going to be a little hard on my head, um, if you know what I mean by that. Um, I, I ran Burning River 50 last year, and I was not in good shape for the race. It was two weeks after Canal Corridor. Um, I it was just because I had signed up for it that I ran it. Um, and it was a little hard on my head switching from road to trail to towpath and then back. So I thought it would be a little bit like that, but in all honesty, I loved this course, um, a lot more than I even expected. Um, it was, it was very neat to have that diversity. One thing that I noticed big time out there after, the 10 mile section on the flat, my legs were feeling a bit tight. And then when I would hit the trails, my legs felt great. Um, so it was a good, it was a good reminder for me every time I would switch from one to the other. I was always looking forward to whatever I was switching to. Uh, I felt like it kept my head in the game. Um, I love the course. Um, I love it. Yeah. That's great to hear. And I know uh, the race directors, we weren't able to get them on the show earlier. We would have loved to have had them, but I know the race directors have done a ton of work on those trails out there, getting them in really great runnable condition, or at least they did last year. Um, because those are, in a sense, my home trails. I grew up in uh, Tuscarawas County, in Southern Tuscarawas oh. County. So that race takes place about 15 minutes from my hometown in uh, Yorksville, Ohio. So really i was yeah so i was very excited to see that there was a race um alone in the area so i'm also very excited and happy to hear that you love the course i think it's a beautiful course um so my next question is arlen you won something uh because you won this race uh some maple syrup made at the boy scout camp there at camp tuscasor have you used any of it yet we did the morning after the race, uh, my mom and sisters cooked some pancakes and we had maple syrup Sunday morning. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. sounds like a great breakfast, uh, especially with that local stuff. I um, I went a little bit myself there when I did the 25 miler last year. So I remember it being just absolutely great and nothing to like kind of celebrate a race afterwards, like being able to win something that then can help you make a great breakfast. Yes, and the and the syrup coming from the camp was very special. Knowing that it came from the camp uh, was very cool. Um, it was yes, a very neat award to have for a race. Yeah, if you have any extra, I'll give you my address. You can uh, shift <laughs> down here, shift down here for me. Well, uh, I I got a pretty big load of it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we're going to uh, give Arlen a second to catch his breath and take a seventh inning stretch. So uh, if you haven't already, click the subscribe button on YouTube and hit the bell below so you won't miss out on any of the videos and live shows from around Ridge Runner Nation. Uh, and if you're listening after the afterwards on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, we appreciate you guys as well. And make sure you guys leave a review on the platform and that helps us out as well. Uh, Arlen, I want to talk about your Strava bio. It's in the description below for this video. But your Strava, Strava bio says ultra marathoner, favorite distance 100 miles, but still too young to give up on the short stuff. Shrug. So 
well, I guess what, what draws you to the hundred mile distance? I mean, obviously you've crushed basically every hundred mile that you've done up to this point, but what's the big appeal for you for that distance? Um, I enjoy the, the, all the preparation for it. Um, knowing that like, I love preparing for something big and I feel like something that you are going to do all day is big. Um, so that's kind of what appeals to me. And also just my success in that distance. Um, if you, if you follow me, look at my different distances, PRs and stuff. Um, I feel like I do all right, except the hundred mile, it's kind of off the charts. Like it doesn't, my 50 miler, I've never done well at a 50 miler and I'm not going to give up on it yet. Uh, but for this year, I've decided I'm going to do what I'm good at for one year and really try to get good at that. And then we'll re-strategize and see. Um, I definitely want to get another marathon PR. I definitely would love to get a 5K PR. Um, I think those are very feasible for me. Um, but the older I get, I definitely get a whole lot better at the longer stuff too. So, yeah, that's where I'm coming from. That's awesome. And especially because, I mean, you can continue doing the longer stuff uh, into the future as well. And I know there's going to be a couple of people watching this that may want some revenge on you. Gabe Rainwater probably is just licking his chops being like, man, I wish Ireland would come down to Ohio's backyard altar, or run a, one of those style races and really see what this guy is all about. Because I uh, can only imagine like how you would do at a race like that. Could you imagine yourself at a backyard st ultra style event? Uh, definitely. Um, it's totally on my bucket list. Um, it's just a matter of, of it working out the timing, working out right. Um, I will, yes, I will someday if Gabe Rainwater's out there listening, I will race him someday in a backyard ultra. In fact, it's funny you mentioned him, um, because I, I said earlier about him being one of the guys that I knew would be a tough guy. Like I knew I would have to have a good race. Um, to beat him because he just kind of the guy that has a reputation of never having a bad day. Um, so I knew, anyway, I knew he was going to be there and I spotted him and I went back to talk to him. And I'm like, Hey, Gabe, it's nice to see you. And I'm like, I was really glad when you, when I seen that you were on the list and then he's like, well, I wasn't glad to see your name on the list. And I kind of chuckled and I said, well, come on now, Gabe, if you want to beat me, you have to race me. And he's like, yeah. And then he's like, well, I did, I did beat you at the, at the Super Bowl 50 K. And I'm like, yeah, you did two years. Uh, the, the only two times I've ran the Super Bowl, Gabe Rainwater, uh, beat me there. So he does have, he does have my scalp hanging from his belt. Um, but yeah, some fun competition he is. Yeah, that's really great. And so continuing on with the theme of the hundred mile distance, Arlen, You've ran, I believe, every 100-mile race in the state of Ohio now. Which one of these is your favorite course? Um, your favorite race, we'll leave that one out there for just you to know, but which of the courses between Mohican Canal, Burning River, or Tuscasore is your favorite? Oh, I was not prepared for this question. <laughs> I, I love them all. Um, the Mohican course is probably my favorite course. Um, it's very enjoyable, but I would have to put Tuscazor up close to it just because I tend to do well on the flat, but it's maybe just because I haven't tried it on the, on the hills much. Um, I did all right at, at, uh, Mohican and Tuscazor. So, 
um, you know, the, 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 uh, the jury's still out on where, whether I'm good on the flat or the hills yet, but, um, I found, I found the hills to be a lot more enjoyable, but me, I still like that Zach Bitter style, um, see how fast you can get to the hundred mile finish, uh, project kind of thing. So I like them both, but as far as enjoyable, um, Mohican would be probably the most enjoyable course. Um, definitely next to that would be Tuscasaur. Yeah. So All kind right. of going off of the, uh, Zach Bitter esque races, um, <laughs> what's, what's next for you? You know, I kind of like, well, I want to break some news on the show tonight. I don't want you signing up for a race last minute anymore. We want the Resort Nation wants to know what Arlen is up, uh, what's next for you. So uh, let's get you like in a tunnel hill or something like that. Like, go, go win that race. Uh, win that one or run that one? Oh, come on. You only win 100 milers, so you got to go out there and You've win it. You've got quite the winning streak right now, Arlen. I don't know if you can keep track. <laughs> we have. Well, it wouldn't hurt me to get to get beat, I'm sure. Um, yes, actually, I am. I am currently – I was looking at the spacing of the race and how well I'm feeling after this one. Um, I definitely believe I will be ready to roll in another eight weeks, just like I came back from Canal Corridor. Um, I was considering, and I'm already signed up for Mohican because I had signed up in the spring. Um, so that one is, there's still a chance that that one, uh, that I may jump in that one. Um, but actually, uh, you're not going to believe, you've probably never heard of this race before, but there's, there's a race out in Illinois called Tunnel Hill. And that one is actually one I've been eyeing. So it's not, I'm not going to run both. No, I'm not going to run them both because they're two weeks apart, but I am actually considering Tunnel Hill. Um, it'll either be Tunnel Hill or Mohican. So there you have it. Beautiful. There's the breaking news for all of uh, Ridge Hunter Nation. Uh, there's some people at the Tunnel Hill entrance list. I'm looking at it right now. They're eyeing your chops. You know, Sam Skeels would love to get some revenge on you at, from Canal. Uh, yeah. Zach, Mar Zach Marin, local guy. You, you, obviously, you know him really well. Uh, John Lavelle, Cincinnati runner. Uh, there's a couple people there that uh, obviously it's a big time race, but uh, yeah. it's going to be tough. Uh, to Nick is going to take another crack at Canal Corridor at uh, – Tunnel Hill. He was at Canal Corridor, um, DNF. He's a 2:20 marathoner, um, but he's going to take another crack at it. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, we'll make sure to get that prediction video uh, right when that time uh, <laughs> when that time comes about. Well, please uh, predict me to win because that's what got me the win at Canal Corridor. <laughs> <laughs> well it's just all about your, i do i do the research you know what i mean it's all about the strava and how you're feeling so i can't just like guarantee that you're gonna win but i kind of like yeah you gotta do the research and do your There's, homework there is a process but you know you got the hot hand right now yeah going all the way back to mohican last summer you know i don't know personally if you've lost a race right and it's it's hard to bet against something like that especially with the consistent fitness that you showed during that time period too. only only jfk it's the only race he's lost so i mean yeah it's, and that's it's a, crazy that's a 50 miler too so so the the uh there is a race that i did lose that is not jfk and it would have been back in march and i mentioned that earlier super bowl 50k um but anyway i i called that a training run i wasn't really racing it anyway but 
anyway, it's uh, for some reason it's not an altar sign up. I don't know why, but um, yeah, it's. I enjoy the streak. Um, I know it'll come to an end, but I enjoy it. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Eric Anderson is in the chat, and he asked, "Is this a typical recovery for you? You bounce back with super smooth <clears throat> ten miles this morning. Uh, how you? I mean, how's recovery going? Um, it's going very well. Um, no, I have never recovered this well. Never even from a marathon have I recovered this fast. And I don't want to act like the the uh, battle is over because it something could flare up. But I am feeling amazing. Um, Mohican last year, I recovered fairly well, but I believe it was a good week or so after the race till I was feeling as good as I am now. And it's only been three days now or whatever. So yes, recovery is going. I've never had it go this well. That's really great to hear. And you know, as someone with a master's degree, right, uh, who studied the social sciences, I feel the need to say that Harlan there's some evidence that says that you've also never eaten pancakes with uh, local Tuscazor maple syrup immediately after a race. So could this potentially be the secret to quick recovery? You know, it very well could be. Um, and I, I don't want to say for sure, um, you being the expert on this, but there <laughs> could be a secret there. Um, but I will say something else is that I had never run with, uh, I had never run with, uh, Harvey Lewis. And so maybe I learned a few tips from him that, uh, very few other people know, and possibly that could be part of it. That's, that's good to hear. There's a, there's a lot of variables we might have to test, but you know, I can always yeah. see about, uh, getting the IRB <laughs> approval to do something. Um, but, uh, those sorts of jokes aside, um, Coming back and already going back to a smooth 10 miles today, I assume just kind of at a very easy, relaxed pace. Arlen, uh, do you care about pace at all on your easy runs? Um, I, I don't care a whole lot. Um, if it's easy, it's easy. Um, anything, you know, between seven and eight minute pace, I would consider easy. Um, but yes, if, if I'm not doing a speed workout, I can run anything. I run uh, I run with some, some local people at 10 minute pace. It just, uh, it doesn't really matter if I'm really eyeing a race, a certain race. Um, I may try to run more miles right at like hundred mile flat, you know, flat hundred mile pace. Um, but no, it, it, it depends on how I'm feeling. Um, sometimes easy pace is seven minutes. Sometimes easy pace is eight minutes. That's good to hear. I asked that question in part because I think it's a good thing for all runners to continue to hear over and over again, that easy is not necessarily what your watch tells you, but what your body feels. And uh, to remind myself a little bit, you know, I've uh, got this MRI coming up uh, to kind of fix this lingering foot issue that I've had. And, you know, I probably need to be reminded that easy means easy. Easy doesn't mean, you know, whatever my watch tells me. Yes, very true. Um, I try not to be specific on my easy runs is the main thing. Um, yeah. And sort of continue on this thing. Do you do any cross training at all? Any strength training, any core work you in the gym pumping iron three days a week and it doesn't make it to Strava. <laughs> I don't, I don't post anything on Strava, but my running and my biking, um, I do a fair amount of biking. 
Um, I enjoy it. It's a, it's a very effective method of cross training. Um, I do uh, usually two to three days a week, some core workouts, stability, mostly body weight. I don't pump iron. It's, uh, it's, it's all geared towards running things that help for running. Um, so yes, I do. I do a, a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, in it, it, it's, uh, imperative. Uh, it's very important to do that kind of stuff. So don't think that because it's not on Strava, I'm not doing it. Yeah. You got to get that on there. I mean, even today, Gabe, going back to Gabe Rainwater, he got 36 minutes of yoga on Strava. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost gave him a kudos, almost gave it a kudos. Yeah. That's yeah. true. <laughs> Those you, are kudos you, you aren't getting, Arlen. <laughs> What's that? Those are kudos that you are not getting when you don't post your cross training. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, oh, shoot. Gonna have to start doing that. Did you see Gabe? Didn't he run 20 miles today or was that yesterday or something? He did. Or, or was I dreaming? You um, know, I've definitely, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to look for that, that right now. It <laughs> does not surprise me. I only saw the yoga. So, <laughs> okay. Well, the yoga, I thought I seen 20 miles, but maybe it was 20 minutes of yoga. No, I'm pretty sure it was 20 miles. Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, regardless. Uh, uh, so Arlen, I want to talk about, uh, you you said this racing period for you has been like uh, super inspiring and that you've been blessed kind of talk about like how uh, this year has been for you and really just like this pat your streak uh, and how it's been for you this past two years or so. Yes. So um, it has been great. This, this, this whole season um, coming off of JFK, which was a horrible race. If I'm ever embarrassed of a race, it was JFK. Um, but you just got to take one of those. I had a good season last year and I ended it with JFK, which was not a pretty end. Um, soon after that, I had a really nasty injury. My sciatic nerve got inflamed, um, was really ugly. Um, so come off of that, that took quite a while. Um, I got in shape just in time to run the Umstead 100. Um, I ran Super Bowl before I was really in shape for that. It was just kind of to test my mental uh, abilities. Um, and then as you all know, Umstead got canceled. It was one of the first races to get canceled. So that's when I went out and ran that uh, Corona 100, I call it. Um, but it was a time trial where I ran a PR by over an hour, um, just blew myself away. I was not, I didn't think I was in that great of shape. I was just gonna go see what I could do um, was not even going to give it max effort level, just simply just go out and see what it would be like to run a solo 100. Um, since then, um, I recovered fairly well from that one. Um, and then I was getting ready for Mohican that got canceled, moved into canal corridor. And yes, my results, um, some people may, some people just expect me to win. Um, I am not one of those. Um, I was as blown away as anybody with, canal corridor results with my Corona 100 results. Um, some people just kind of expect me to win. And like I said, I'm not one of them. I feel very blessed when I look at my talent level, I feel like if it transferred right to the hundred miler, I would not be nearly as good at the hundred mile as I am. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve to be able to run that well at the, hundred mile distance, but I'll take it. 
Yeah, well, uh, really well put. And we've got some more comments in the chat here. Um, at running SIG, S-I-G, says that they can attest to the power of that maple syrup from Tuscasora. Their high school team had cross-country camp there, uh, 2016 through 2019. And breakfast the first morning was always pancakes and Tuscasora syrup. And then they also said that the uh, the sign at the exit says, have I done my best? That's um, a reference to uh, Camp Tuscasora being a Boy Scout camp, one of the oldest Boy Scout camps that exist, if I uh, remember correctly. And they say that, uh, they dare say that you did do your best um, at Tuscasora 100 Arlen. And congratulations on the win. Uh, by the way, this is Turkey. I'm going to assume you know what that means. Uh, oh. And they ask <laughs> if they'll be seeing you tomorrow night. Uh, sorry, Turkey, we will not be seeing you. Um, we have some out-of-state company they're dropping by, so we will not be seeing you tomorrow night, but we will miss the group big time. All right. So I, uh, I assume that's uh, somebody you join for a group run then usually? It is. It is. I could tell you his full name, but I, I better not in case he wanted to hide himself by yeah. using Turkey. But I will say anyone from the group will know who Turkey is. <laughs> that's that's good. And we can uh, we can just leave it at that because, you know, they, they don't seem like, uh, you know, they they wanted to use their name. They wouldn't, you know. Um, and so we've uh, covered quite a few topics. One thing that I want to go back to, Arlen, is you said that you intentionally tried to eat more uh, during this race and they were eating a banana at every aid station, basically, uh, and then drinking some soap there at the end. I was always amazed at how little you ate when I had seen you at races before, especially at Mohican. Um, but after eating a little more at Tuscasora, what do you think? Do you think that her, uh, Arlen's gonna be the banana guy at aid stations from now on, or are you gonna be the Arlen that we all remember? Well, if I, if I start swinging from the tree branches, I'll back down the bananas a bit. Um, but at, I was I was wanting to try it because I know a lot of the, a lot of talented guys do and some don't. Um, some of them go with just liquids and some eat. And I wanted to I didn't know exactly how tough my stomach was. Um, and so I wanted to experiment with it. Um, but I obviously wouldn't want to try something new at a race like Canal Corridor where I've got all of my cards on the table and I'm trying to do my very best. I'd rather do something that I know works. Um, after doing this, I definitely will be eating more during races, but one thing we had unique, and that was the super nice, cool weather. Um, it got hot in the afternoon, but I know the heat makes it difficult to keep solid foods down, at least for me, if not for everybody else. So if it's a 90 degree day, I might stick to my liquids, but if it's a cool day, I definitely will be eating. Um, if I'm trying to pull out my best performance, say like, and another flat hundred miler, I probably will refrain from eating a lot. Um, probably just a couple bananas, maybe not a whole dozen bananas. Um, but does that kind of answer your questions? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, so at Tunnel Hill, we'll get like two bananas <laughs> ready for you. But if you go to like Ohio's Backyard Ultra, we'll get like 40 of them for you. Oh, we, you uh, just the whole Wesley, so good at reading my mind. I think you could just play my part. I, if I wouldn't have been able to get back on the show, you would have just been able to do this free-handed. Oh, no, no. <laughs> we needed you back on to kind of walk through your race, obviously. I can't just go through your, your story. 
But yeah, Regeneration, if you have any final questions for Arlen before we wrap up here, uh, it's been obviously a pleasure having you on the show again. Uh, one thing I want to talk about real quick, going back to that nutrition thing, is did you just eat bananas at the A station? Was it like, and, and your liquid stuff, like, did you have any other food throughout the day? What was your nutrition plan like specifically for the race? Um, so more specifically, um, I would eat a banana at the aid station um, and simply because I needed to get rid of the banana peel afterwards. And so that was easy to just get rid of it right there. Um, I didn't like, I don't like to spend 30 minutes in an aid station like most ultra runners. Um, and for good. <laughs> so, so uh, my nutrition plan was, and it kind of developed throughout the day, but what worked really well for me was an, a banana at the aid station and my crew would put a granola bar in my handheld water bottle and I have a little zipper pocket um, and they would slip one in there and, and it was, you know, a little granola bar. So I would usually eat that granola bar where there was not crew access and then possibly a banana at some of the aid stations that were more fully stocked. Um, so, and then I would drink uh, a good amount of water and also a good amount of my different drinks that I drink um, throughout the day. So yes, it was granola bars and bananas. Towards the end, the granola bars were getting harder and harder to get down. So I went with bananas. And then once bananas were hard, um, the finish line was not far. All right. I think that, uh, that kind of beats my strategy of just grazing upon whatever seems to be there, trying to do the whole thing on gels that I put in my vest beforehand. And taking so, 35 minutes at aid stations. That's... I. <laughs> I think the only time I've taken that long at an aid station was when I was getting ready to drop out of the Shawnee 50. Oh, and I, had, I had my shoes off and I was eating mashed potatoes at that point. It was, I might as well have been done already. I just hadn't given anybody my bib yet. <laughs> but yeah, um, doesn't look like there's any last minute questions in the chat here for you, Arlen. Um, early on in the show, when you were coming through uh, everything that happened with your race, Bob Moore, I hope I'm saying his name right, said that on his third loop, Arlen stopped to chat with him for a good two minutes on the out and back and then passed me with Harvey. And he was about able to run 40 yards with you and Harvey. And, uh, he had the laughing emojis after that. So I guess that was a good time for him. <laughs> um, but then, and while on the topic here, uh, Alex Jackson started off the questions in the chat by asking, would you rather run 100 miles on nothing but black beans or oatmeal cream pies? That's a typical Alex Jackson type question. Cool. But uh, what do you think, Arlen? Oh, so, okay. So the question is either running 100 miles on black beans or, or oatmeal cream pies. Oh, oatmeal cream pies. Uh, definitely the oatmeal cream pies. Yep, definitely. My guy, Arlen. Here yes. it is. Tunnel Hill 2020 winner. And he's going to eat oatmeal cream pies is the only feel. Zach Marin, Nick Schweiker, all those guys are going to be shaking their boots and they find this out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Arlen. Well, we were so happy to have you on um, again as a returning guest. Um, and we're going to be so stoked when we have you on in the future again when you do win a race. I'm not going to say it's Tunnel Hill just yet. Um, but you know, that one's coming up pretty soon and we will have some predictions. Um, uh, once again, a huge congratulations to Arlen and everybody who finished the Tuscazora 100. It is such a great race uh, and the course is so close to my heart being uh, in the county that I grew up in in Ohio. 
Um, Arlen, for our listeners who want to follow you on social media, I believe you only have Strava. Uh, it's just your name where they can find you at, right? Yep. Just find me at Arlen, Arlen Glick on Strava. All right. Well, uh, we will also have that stuff down in the uh, description of the video for everybody to access. So thank you all so much for coming out and tuning into the show tonight. And we're going to see you guys soon. Okay. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning into another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Return Nation.